Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. While you're standing, if you have your Bibles, want to turn to Matthew chapter 11. And we'll get ready to read our scriptures this morning. Today, we will continue in our series on when Jesus prayed. And not just what happened when he prayed, but talking about the times when, as in the times that he would pray to give us an example to show us when these certain things are happening in our life, the reaction should be prayer. That, and today we're going to talk about after being rejected. And so uh, let's read this opening scripture, Matthew chapter 11 and verse 20. Then began he to upbraid the cities wherein most of his mighty works were done because they repented not. Woe unto thee, Chorazin! Woe unto thee, Bethsaida! For if the mighty works which were done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. But I say unto you, it shall be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon at the day of judgment than for you. And thou, Capernaum, which art exalted unto heaven, shall be brought down to hell. For if the mighty works which have been done in thee had been done in Sodom, it would have remained unto this day. But I say unto you that it shall be more tolerable for the land of Sodom in the day of judgment than for thee. And at that time Jesus answered and said, I thank thee, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because thou hast hid these things from the wise and prudent and hast revealed them unto babes. Even so, Father, for it seemed good in thy sight. And so today we're going to talk about when Jesus prayed after being rejected and, and that when we are rejected that we need to pray so that we can get God's perspective as to what's happening in our life. So let's pray for the lesson this morning. Precious Lord, we thank you for your word and for your examples today. And we ask you to just bless and help us to gain understanding and wisdom. Lord, let us hear something today that will change our life. Let us receive this word into good ground today. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. And everyone said amen. Give the Lord another hand clap. Uh, Lift your voice and praise one more time to him. Hallelujah. Well, we thank you, Jesus. God, you're great. Hallelujah. You can be seated and thank you for being in the house of the Lord this morning. Last uh, week, I know that um, Brother Elijah brought a great message about us being able to touch the Lord. And how that we don't have a high priest who cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, for he was tempted in all points as we were. In other words, he felt everything that we felt. So he was very familiar with the depth and range of human emotions. Jesus was moved by the hunger of the multitudes after they had listened to him teach all day. He became angry with the money changers who wanted to turn the temple into a den of thieves, and his irritation was evident with the Pharisees on numerous occasions. So it's not surprising that he would also wrestle with feelings of rejection during his earthly ministry. As the old saying goes, the ones that you help the most are the ones who hurt you the most. Jesus would have quickly agreed with this after spending most of his ministry in the cities of Chorazin, Bethsaida, and Capernaum one would think that these were the places where he would have been most accepted. Instead, they became the places that he was often rejected. 
For three years he moved among these three cities, and countless times he entered into their gates and did great works among them. They became front row spectators to the miraculous. Bethsaida would have held a special place for Jesus because it was there that Philip, Andrew, and Peter came to him. Quite possibly, Jesus would think of that city fondly because of the incredible blessing that these men were in his ministry. In Bethsaida, Jesus miraculously fed the multitudes when they became hungry. While watching them eat of the bread and fish, perhaps he would begin to think that they would also hunger after the real bread of life. He had hoped that this natural miracle would pave the way to spiritual changes in their lives. Capernaum is where the lame man was lowered through the roof into the room where Jesus was. Here he saw great faith on the part of those that needed a physical miracle. And so is it any wonder that maybe he would expect them to respond in a spiritual manner also? Shouldn't he expect that they would turn to him in repentance and accept the message that he had come to preach? And yet there is no record of anyone bowing their head in repentance. Many scholars call these three cities, Chorazin, Bethsaida, and Capernaum, the evangelical triangle because Jesus spent so much of his ministry there. And, uh, but in those places we find very little acceptance of him from among the people. So imagine investing the majority or the, the big part of your life for those three, three and a half years that Jesus was being manifest in this world. He invested in these cities and did great miracles. Imagine how it feels and the frustration that he would feel for them to reject him even though he was trying to help them. Uh, we've all experienced feelings like that before at one time or another, and Jesus has felt those feelings of rejection as well. Scientific studies have shown that the same area of the brain is affected when we are rejected and when we experience physical pain. So in other words, rejection can arrest our attention and focus us solely on the fact that we have been hurt. When you feel a pain in your body, and it's just really hurting, really overwhelming, that's all you can think about. Your focus is, how can I alleviate this pain? Sometimes there's nothing that we can do. We have to have a doctor. We've got to have somebody that is a specialist in that area to fix what's wrong. If you break your leg, it's going to hurt, and you try to straighten it, it's still going to hurt. And it's going to hurt a little bit when the, the doctor that knows how to set it is trying to fix it. But it's going to take somebody that knows how to put things back in place. But all you're thinking about is this hurts. And it's saying to us that the same way when we feel rejection is just like feeling natural physical pain because it hurts. You feel the pain of that. And if we're not careful, we can focus so solely on this rejection that we can no longer see what God is trying to do and what he would do in our life. We, can't, we can lose sight of our purpose because we have been rejected. Um, it, it comes in all stages of life. There are children, you know, uh, this, that maybe they are abandoned uh, by their parents. They're born into a situation and the parent leaves them or, or sends them away or, you know, just drops them off somewhere. They, they feel that. They deal with that in their life of rejection. And uh, even us in the church, living for God, full of the Holy Ghost, ministering, preaching, 
missionaries, evangelists, singers, musicians, whatever you are. It doesn't matter your position. Nobody uh, is exempt from feelings of rejection. Sometimes it's not intentional, but uh, sometimes it is. And then we still deal with the reality of, hey, they don't like me. They don't want to be around me. They don't want what I've got to offer. And this is the same way that Jesus felt. Rejection can cause us to eventually just become numb to everything else that is happening around us. We would like to think uh, I can do all things through Christ, and we can. So we think maybe we're strong enough to handle it or that we won't experience it. But Jesus preached in these cities and did many mighty miracles. People, you know, demons cast out, physical healings, people raised from the dead, multitudes fed with just a a little bit of food and, and so many great things. And yet, it was always about the miracle. But when he would preach words that uh, would change their lives, it was, that's a hard saying, and they would walk away from him and, and leave him or accuse him and, and, and try to make him look like he was something that he was not. It was uh, hard to accept for him, and it's hard to accept for us. Because guess what? Everybody's not going to accept you. Oh, everybody likes me. No, they don't. <laughs> You know why they don't? Because you said that. That's, uh, that's one reason. That's one reason. No, it's, it's true. There, there will be times that each one of us will feel of this painful feeling of rejection. Um, and even in the world sometimes, you know, maybe it's the job that you felt I'm qualified for and, and I applied for, but you didn't get it. That's a rejection. Or you applied for a loan and they said, can't do it. That's rejection. And, yeah. and you know, we like, and it makes you examine everything, and all you can think of is, you know, well, maybe I'm not, maybe I'm not good enough for the job. Maybe I don't uh, have enough money in this. And you, know, you start examining yourself and thinking bad of yourself. You feel the weight of that rejection because you felt like, I really need this. And I could really do something with this, but I was stopped because somebody rejected me. And sometimes even... Uh, you know, in, in relationships, it can be from just casual friendship, even all the way to uh, romantic relationships. It just didn't work. And we feel that rejection. But it is unbiblical to believe that everyone will accept you. Because Jesus told us, you will be hated of all men for my name's sake. So we need to understand that. It's not like, oh, Wow. This is great. It's cloudy outside. It's going to storm, and he's giving me all this. That's, yeah. You know, uh, thank you, Pastor, for this just wonderful, enlightening message today. But this is how we're going to see how you handle this. And the Lord said in Luke 6 and 26, Woe unto you when all men, all men shall speak well of you. For so did their fathers to the false prophets. In other words, if no one is rejecting you, then don't be surprised when they seek to destroy you. In one week's time, Jesus rides into the city and they're laying branches down before him crying, Hosanna, blessed be the king that comes in the name of the Lord. It took exactly one week for them to turn around and say, crucify him. 
So if he went through these things, surely we know we will go through these things. And so knowing that Jesus uh, was rejected, it should help us understand better when we are rejected. It was prophesied of him, Isaiah 53 and 3, he was despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, and we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. When we read those scriptures in Isaiah, normally this time of year brings them up uh, because it deals with the things he suffered before his crucifixion. And in his crucifixion, we realized he went through all those things for us. Rejection was part of that. Uh, I will feel this. I will deal with this. I will go through this so that my children will be able to deal with it and go through it and know that there's someone with them that loves them. And if he did it, we can do it. Uh, he's going to make a way for all of us. In Mark 8 and 31, Jesus said of himself, he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected of the elders and of the chief priests and scribes and be killed and after three days rise again. He started out saying that he will suffer and be rejected, even killed. But that's not where it stops. He said, but he will rise again. Let me tell you, you'll get up again. Oh, I've been rejected. You'll get up again. You'll rise again. This has killed me. You'll get up again. If he got up, you'll get up. Come on, somebody. Now, now you see the sun shining. Come on. Sometimes it's hard and it's tough when we go through rejection. And not even sometimes, all the times it's hard and tough to go through it. But let me tell you, there is a plan for you and I that rejection doesn't stop. Rejection was part of the plan all along. I'm going to be despised and rejected. I'm going to suffer. I'm going to be killed, but I will rise again. And let me tell you, just uh, if he had not risen again, Paul said, if there's no resurrection, your faith is in vain. But let me tell you, I can have faith today that I'll get up because he's not there anymore. He's not in that tomb, but he is alive. And let me tell you, he went through rejection and suffering. I will, but I will rise again. It might knock the breath out of me. It may cause a few tears and a little heartache, but I will get back up. It will not be the end of me. So even when Jesus uh, foretold his rejection, it didn't keep him uh, from experiencing. He knew it was coming, but it did not stop him from feeling the hurt and frustration. We are aware that not everyone will accept us. In fact, it is a fact that we will experience rejection time and again in this life, but our challenge is now to realize that God does not leave us and he does not forsake us even in seasons of rejection. We must remember just like Jesus did that God is in control even when we're rejected. He was rejected, but that was written of him. In other words, God was in control of it. God had already penned it. He uh, the author and finisher of our faith has already written this. He knows what we will go through. And, and so it is easy for us to lose sight of the hand of God in our life whenever we are rejected. But it's in times like these that we find great comfort in God's word. And we read through the scripture. You know, when you read about that great cloud of witnesses, you realize some of these people were rejected. It wasn't just uh, 
the things that they, the great victories they won, but there were times that they came through great rejection. In, in Hebrews, we read about uh, Moses, one of the greatest leaders that uh, Israel would ever, ever know. As a matter of fact, the scripture says that there was not any, another one like him, yeah. uh, like Moses. And uh, he would lead millions of homeless Jewish people through the wilderness. And then daily he would face their grumblings, their complainings, their, their rumblings. And, and you know, maybe it was hard for him to get that respect because he grew up in the palace. And while they were out there making bricks and working and, and he was you know, eating grapes and being fanned with palm leaves, I guess. I don't know what all they did there in Egypt, but you know, seen too many movies, I guess. But um, he, he was not down in the mud with his people making bricks. And even when uh, uh, he came down to, to stop two of his brothers from fighting, uh, they, they were like, you know, who are you? Is, are you going to kill, kill us like you did? The Egyptian, you know, how he, how he did today. They, we don't want your opinion here, Moses. We don't need you. So Moses flees, but, but he comes back, and he leads them out. But, yeah. you know, even then, he's teaching them how to worship, teaching them about God, showing them what God will do. But they get to Mount Sinai, and he goes in to get the commandments from God. And, and while he's gone, they reject him. Yeah. As for this Moses, we don't know what's happened to him. And they begin to worship the golden calf and, and say, this is the God that brought us out of Egypt. And, and Moses comes down and, and he's upset, he's, he's frustrated, he breaks the tablets. And, but you know what Moses does? He goes back to prayer. He goes back up for 40 more days. And he intercedes and he talks to God. And he gets perspective and he gets the commandments again and he comes back. And uh, he, instead of just dealing with his frustration, with his feelings. Uh, in that conversation, that second trip to the mountain, he realizes that God is going to be with them, that God is going to go with them, and that he will not be alone. And, and he'll be able to do what he's got to do if God is going to stay with them. The best thing that we can do when we feel people rejecting us is to return to the presence of the Lord. We need to get back to God. Do not stay in your feelings. People say, oh, today I'm in my feelings. Well, get out of them. Get back to the presence of the Lord. In your feelings, there's confusion because the heart is deceitfully wicked. <laughs> and uh, when you go by your feelings, you're, you're just setting yourself up to be misled. But in his presence is fullness of joy. In his presence is a time of refreshing and and when something's refreshed, it's renewed, and the perspective comes again. And if I can just get to a place in him when I feel that rejection, I can uh, stop whatever I was thinking of doing because rejection hurts, and sometimes we'll lash out when we're hurt or we'll, you know, the Scripture warns us, don't recompense evil for evil. <clears throat> well, he wouldn't have to warn us to, about that if somebody wasn't doing it. And so we, we must realize that I've got to get back into the presence of God. And so that's what Moses did. He went back to a place of prayer, and he allowed God to reassure him that he is in control. And that's what we need to do, remind ourselves and be reminded that God is in control even when it feels like our world is spinning out of control. Another great man in the Scripture was Samuel. When Samuel was born and and begin to learn about the Lord. 
it says that none of his words, the Lord didn't let any of his words fall to the ground. And, and he was a great prophet, but not just that, but he was a judge in Israel. And he loved uh, Israel, and he, he loved the people of God. And he served for a judge for, for many years, and then time, he just got old. He began to get older, and, and Israel realized Samuel's getting old. There's not a, another judge coming, and all these other countries around us, they have a king. And so uh, they go to this man who had watched over them, interceded for them, led them to victory, and, and done great miracles before them. And, and they go to him and say, give us a king. Can you imagine, after all those years of doing what he had done for them, that they come and, and say, you know, uh, Samuel, we appreciate you, but we don't want you anymore. You know, thanks for all you've done in the past, but we want to be like everybody else. Give us a king. And even though I'm sure Samuel was hurt and felt the frustration, he did not act on his emotions, but he went and he talked to God about it. And when he talked and prayed to God, the Lord let him know, uh, Samuel, they have not rejected you, but they have rejected me. There's something you need to realize that often whenever you are rejected, it is not because they are really rejecting you. They're rejecting the God that's in you. So that, you know, don't take everything personally. Because if, you, if, you, if you're one of the people that just takes everything personally, you're going to have a hard, hard life till Jesus comes back. You've got to realize that, hey, some things, it's just because of who I serve. It's, it's not you personally. It's the God that lives inside of you. It's, they're not rejecting you. They're rejecting God. When those friends stop wanting to hang around you because you go to church, it's not that they're rejecting you. They don't want anything to do with the God you serve. Hey, if you'll drop God, they'll let you right back in. It's obvious that they don't want to do and be what you are. They don't want to be what God has made you. They don't want God to get his hands on them because it might change them like it did you. So they're not just rejecting uh, you. They're rejecting the God that is inside of you. Even David, uh, such a great king, and, and we know that after he had uh, killed Goliath and, and had been to war, and as they ride back into the city, said that uh, the people were singing, you know, Saul has killed his thousands, David his ten thousands. And when you read about David's life, it said that he behaved himself wisely and he went in and out among the people. And, and man, the people loved him. They just loved David. And so I'm sure David, in his early years, uh, he got quite used to being, uh, you know, hey, everybody likes me. Maybe he even felt like that until Saul tried to stick him to the wall with a javelin. He asked Saul when he catches up with him in a cave. He loved Saul. He was so ashamed that he even cut off a piece of his garment that he had to uh, take a chance with his life and go into where Saul was and, and say, look, what have I done? And why are you after me? And, and you know, and I, I've done this, and it, it's, it hurt me that I even did this. And, and so, you know, Saul would, many times Saul would say, oh, okay, that's it. I'm not going to chase you anymore than he would. He still wanted David dead, um, but he couldn't. He was jealous. He was eat up with it. And so a man that had delivered Israel time and time again was now rejected by the very king he served. And so 
You know, the Bible says David was a man after God's own heart. Well, God manifest in the flesh. He felt rejection. And David felt rejection too. Even uh, his own son, Absalom, conspired to, to take away the throne from David. His, his own son, his flesh and his blood, his son, his family close to him. And David has to deal with and flee because of what's going on and, and, and leave his kingdom uh, and to save his life because it is his son that is now bringing this rejection and this rebellion. Uh, and it was a very hard time for David, but uh, God was working it out. What we have to remember is that we don't always see what God is doing. And, uh, but he is doing, and he was doing these things for David. Uh, David, uh, at this time of his life where this was going on with Absalom, is when he wrote the third psalm. And in Psalm 3, 1 and 2, he says, Lord, how are they increased that trouble me? And many are they that rise up against me. Many there be which say of my soul that there is no help for him in God. Selah. He was troubled in his spirit. He was upset because his enemies... It seemed like there were just too many for him to, to count. What am I going to do with this? And he spends those first two verses laying out what's going on, but he doesn't stay there. He doesn't stay, woe is me, here's my trouble, here's my sorrow, it's too much for me to handle, it's going to be bad, I'm going to die, it's going to be over. But he changes in the third verse, and it goes on to express his great confidence that he had in God and that God had not forgotten him. In verse, starting in verse 3, he says, But thou, O Lord, are a shield for me, my glory, and the lifter up of my head. I cried unto the Lord with my voice, and he heard me out of his holy hill, Selah. I laid me down and slept. Well, that rejection, pain, and hurt, it'll, it'll, it'll drive sleep away from you until you get that relationship with God. Find a place with him. Get your focus back. Realize that God's still got a plan. He's for you. He said, I laid down and slept, and I waked, for the Lord sustained me. I will not be afraid of 10,000s of people that have set themselves against me round about. Arise, O Lord. Save me, O my God, for thou hast smitten all my enemies upon the cheekbone. Thou hast broken the teeth of the ungodly. Salvation belongeth unto the Lord, and thy blessing is upon Thy people, Selah. And so we see a great perspective here for all of us to get that during seasons of rejection, when we're at our lowest, that God is the lifter up of your head. Oh, there's so many people that say there's no help for me and there's no hope for me. It doesn't matter what they say. David said, I'm not worried about 10,000s of people that would set themselves around about me as long as I have God. You keep on trusting God and keep on serving God, and, and God will work things out. The Bible says that when a man's ways please the Lord, that he will make even his enemies, even his enemies. You know, who, who rejects you? Your enemy rejects you. He didn't want anything to do with you. He wants you to fall, wants you to be defeated. But, but the Lord said, you just do what's right. I'll take care of the rest. You do what you're supposed to do. Don't forget who you serve. Don't let rejection forget. Hey, David, don't let rejection cause you to forget that you're the king. I anointed you. I had all your brothers that rejected you. 
when you came out that day when Goliath was challenging everybody, all they wanted to do was, was accuse you and, and, and try to run you off. But what if you had left? What if David had said, fine, you don't want me here? I'm going to take my cheese and I'm going. Y'all going to be hungry and scared at the same time. But instead, he said, is there not a cause? Maybe you don't want me here, but there's something bigger going on. I hear somebody blaspheming my God and talking against the, the God of, of Israel and against the armies of uh, the living God. And, and, and I'm not going to stand by. I don't care what you say. I don't care what uh, anybody, who, who, who you tell. It doesn't matter what you think about my motives. I'm here for a reason. David, I'm sure they were a little sour that uh, these big, strong, older brothers had all got bypassed in that line for the kingship. But David was anointed. Still human, still has emotions, still has feelings, but you got to get them in the right place. What do you do when you feel that rejection? You find a place to pray. You find a place to get in touch with God. And, and, and so David had written these psalms. I'm sure these psalms were written in, in times of prayer as he would pray and talk to God about what was going on in his life. Uh, I know that uh, when he wrote Psalm 51, uh, the one, one person he was worried about rejecting him was God. Don't cast me away from your presence. Don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Don't, don't, that's, that's the ultimate rejection. Whatever you else you have to do, if you have to kill me now, that's okay. Just do not take these things away from me. Uh, I don't want to be rejected of God. So we can be assured today that even we have this God that is watching over us and taking care of us. And even in times of rejection, he's going to get us through. Hebrews 13 and 5 declares to us to be content with such things as you have. For he has said, I will never leave thee or forsake thee. God's going to stick with you when everybody else leaves. Even, you know, even Paul said in one place, he said, At my first answer, all men forsook me. He said, But the Lord stood by me. And when everybody else, when they were shipping him, shipping him off to Rome and, and trying to get him before Caesar and they were in that boat, uh, everybody's freaking out over the storm and going crazy. And Paul's down there asleep and the angel's drops in to talk to him, and Paul's just got peace. His countrymen had locked him up and were shipping him off to testify against him, but he said, but the angel of the Lord, whose I am, I still know who I belong to. No matter how bad this storm gets, there's always going to be something to reassure me who I belong to. And so they might have rejected me, but God sent me. And so it doesn't matter who rejects you when God sends you. Uh, they can't stop what God has done. They can't stop you from, from completing these things. Only uh, it, storms couldn't stop Paul. That snake biting him on the hand couldn't stop it. Yeah. Nothing could stop Paul getting to Rome because the Lord had already said, just like you testified here in, in Jerusalem, you're going to testify in Rome. You're going to get there. And so you remember God's got a plan for your life. Yeah. And you're going to experience rejection along the way, but it'll all work out. It's, every one of us have felt, well, this is what I will do. 
only to have that stamp of rejection. And then you have to wonder. But don't, don't like I say, don't get all up in your feelings. <laughs> Remember, uh, well, God called me. And if he called me, the Bible says that my gift will make room for me. And so maybe this wasn't the room I was supposed to go in. 1 Corinthians 10 and 13 says, There is no temptation taking you, but such as is common to man, rejection is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be attempted above what you're able. But will, with the temptation, also make a way to escape so you can bear it. This would also include any rejection that we find ourselves in or that we go through. This verse lets us know that with the temptation... God will also provide a way of escape. So when rejection comes, he gives you a way to handle it. There is a way to handle even rejection. We think that's the worst. You ever watched some of those fail videos? When these guys feel like, I'm going to propose in public. Awful. Some things you need to talk out for you. But oh well, I mean they set up it's a like this a big stadium and man they're out there and ten thousand people looking at them. They guy drops down and the girl just turns around and runs off. Or or worse, slaps him and then runs off. And you're just like, oh that hurt me. I felt bad. I hurt for him. That rejection. But there's a way to handle it. There's a way to get through it. There's a way to, for it to, to get us through. Prayer is that way for us, that God will uh, help us get through the feelings of rejection and refocus our hearts and minds in the right direction. Jesus prayed after experiencing rejection in these three cities where he had done the miraculous. He was recognizing that God was in control and it offered comfort to all those who were weary and heavy laden. And we have to recognize the same things, that God is in control of my life, even when I feel rejected. Don't let that, you know, we just think that's the worst. And it might feel the worst at that particular moment, but it does not stop what God has for us. And so we can uh, pray to him and spend time with him, and prayer will help us refocus, realize that having God's favor is more important than having man's favor. As humans, we have all, or we all have a basic desire to be accepted by others. I mean, all through school, you remember you wanted to be, there were groups, you know, kids in school especially, they picked the group. Okay, I want to be one of these kids. I want to be, I'm going to be in sports, or I'm going to be academic, or I'm going to be the whatever else they had uh, in school. The, you know, it was the, the potheads and the punks and the, you know, you just going to hang out. You, you chose your group and you wanted to be accepted with them. It didn't matter. Yeah, that was a group. We had dope heads. <laughs> and if you want to be a dope head, you wouldn't. You didn't walk in there. Hey, man, I want to hang out with y'all. Get out of here, man. They'd accept anybody as long as you was in there with them. But, you know, a lot of groups don't. Ath- them, them athletics and jocks, you get some guy in there, he, can't, he don't do nothing but make mistakes, cause a team to lose a game. He won't be around too much longer. They're going to be shuffling him out. You need to carry, you know what they do? They, we used to always say, 
you the water boy or you the bench warmer because you don't belong on the field with us. Reject them. Man, people, that's hard. It's harsh. The kids are harsh. You, know, you, you, you have to, but, uh, and sometimes kids, if they're not taught, they don't know how to handle rejection and they, they take the wrong path. So we, we need to remember ourselves that even though rejection hurts so bad, that we can pray and, and talk to God and, and realize that I just need God's approval over my life. And, and that doesn't mean that we don't care what others think. Don't, don't get me wrong. Well, I'm just going to do what I want to do. And God, ask, you follow that thing. Well, God knows me. And so what everybody else, everybody else can just go jump in the lake. That's not what I'm saying. You, a good name, you know, is rather to be chosen. So we want a good name for ourselves. But uh, what helps add to you having a good name is when people see how you handle rejection. You know, don't go crazy. Don't go you know, boiling people's rabbits and stuff like that. You, you handle it right. Pray. Do what you're supposed to do. We want to be accepted. It's one of the reasons that rejection hurts so bad. One of the best ways to overcome it is to pray for those who have rejected us. Jesus said, pray for your enemies. Pray for them that despitefully use you. Because in doing this, you'll heap coals of fire on their head. So you might not literally be able to set them on fire, but <laughs> you can uh, pray in such a manner that they feel like they have been set on fire. As we pray for those who have rejected us, we develop a sincere compassion for them. Prayer does things. We also strengthen our personal ability to better handle rejection in the future. Because as long as we live and work with people, there will be times of rejection. If we can learn to respond in the spirit and go to God in prayer, then we will be better equipped to handle the rejection. One of the, I think, greatest lives that was lived in Scripture, her story gives us so much insight and wisdom and how we can handle rejection, and that was through Leah. Because when Jacob came for a wife, he didn't come for Leah. He came for Rachel. It said he loved Rachel. And uh, he, he probably said, I'll serve seven years for her. And so after he served, and, you know, he said it didn't seem just like a short time because he just loved Rachel so much. But uh, Laban pulled a trick, a little switch, and I still have not figured out yet how that worked, but, but it did because it said, and in the morning, it was Leah. But see, Leah had lived with rejection because her dad, instead of trying, if, it, if that's the way it's supposed to be, the oldest is supposed to go first, why didn't he offer her up first? Even she felt rejection. She knew from her dad, I'm not, the, I'm not the pretty one. I'm not the one that people want. I'm just, I'm going to be the old maid stuck here at the house until my dad tricks a man into marrying me. And can you imagine how she felt when Jacob rolled over and was about to say, hey, I love, what are you doing here? Can you imagine how... 
Can you imagine how she felt? Because he did not love her like he loved Rachel. So he had to serve another seven years. But Leah so desperately desired that love. And God began to bless her in a way that was very uh, prominent in that day that, that people looked at it as the blessing of God. He began to give her children. And when she gave, had the first son, Ru, she named him Reuben. She said, because God has seen my misery and now my husband will love me. But he didn't. And so as she goes on, she has another child and she names him Simeon because the Lord heard that I am not loved, so he gave me this one too. Still talking about wanting that, that love, wanting that acceptance. And then as uh, it goes on, she uh, has a child and she says, uh, now at last my husband will become attached to me. She's not even talking about love anymore. She, she named him Levi. And then... Uh, she is lowering her expectations in Jacob as she is going on. And she has maybe finally realized that Jacob is never going to love me the way that he loves Rachel. And then she has one more child, and she says, Now will I praise the Lord. And she named him Judah. And she stopped having children. She, uh, she realized that after years of pain, her focus finally turned to God. And it turned to praise for him. And she began to love her children and love her life. And, and she loved who she was. And she realized that God valued her because he had blessed her and proved it to her in a way that was understood in that culture. God showed that his hand was upon her. Uh, and Leah was named, you know, when you read the book of Ruth and, and they're pronouncing a blessing on Boaz uh, when he's going to marry Ruth. He says, let Ruth be like Rachel and Leah because those 12, part of those 12 tribes came from the one that was rejected. Salvation came to us through the one that was rejected. And there's a lot of great things that come from the ones that have been rejected. Rejection is not the end of you. It is not the end of your ministry. It is not the end of your life. It is not the end of God's favor on you you just realize that God loves me and God will take care of me and God will give me strength to go on. So when times of rejection come, we've got to let God work through it for our good. Let God help you get through it. When we do, His glory will be revealed in our lives. Let's stand together this morning. I guess as we come into the what they call the, the Passion Week and things, that uh, Jesus suffered before he went to the cross, the ultimate rejection. He came unto his own and they knew him not. They didn't believe. They knew he was Jesus, Joseph's son. They didn't believe he was the Messiah. And so they stood while Pilate had said, I find no fault in him. Let's just let him go. Let me release him unto you. Give us Barabbas, a murderer. Give us that murderer and kill the king of glory. Crucify him. I mean, what if you could have just stood there and read the list? So you want to kill the one who fed about 5,000 of you guys 
you want to, you know, you want to kill the one that did miracle after miracle, cast out devils, healed the sick, raised the dead. Many of y'all were there and saw Lazarus come out of that tomb, and and that's that's why you want to kill me. He suffered the the worst rejection that anybody could ever suffer. He came to his own, and they would not receive him. He said he wept over the city, and he said, you just didn't, if you had known the time of your visitation, and he said, the things that I could have done for you and the things that belong to your peace, but you would not. You would not accept me, but you rejected me. And he said, now your enemies are going to lay you even to the ground. And so we need to make sure that we know we're going to rise again. We might be rejected. We might be cast aside, but that's not the end of us. We're going to get back up. We're going to rise again. Let's lift our hands to the Lord and pray this morning. Lord, I pray today that in terrible times of rejection that we'll be able to keep our focus on you. Lord, that we'll be able to remember that you went through it that you were even killed of your own people, but Lord, you rose again. God, right now I'm sure there's people in this room that have felt that and dealing with that, but Lord, today I ask you to give them strength. Let them find a place of prayer. Let them find a place in your presence. Let them remember that you're never going to leave them and you're never going to forsake them. God, help us to pray when we feel rejected. Let us be overcomers in these things. Let this be our way of escape in Jesus' name. Everyone said amen. Hallelujah. Give him a hand clap. What a great God. What a great God. What a great God we serve. Thankful to be in his presence this morning. God's good to us. God's going to take care of you. Let's find a place to pray before the next service. Going to have a great time in Jesus' name. God bless you.